Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission with Roger Webb. We are on a mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness. And the gentleman sitting across from me has definitely done that. He's a former life coach turned natural health coach, six-figure earner with Duterra, and leads a team of over 3,000 people around the world, I'm assuming, yep. at this point. Yeah. And uh, this guy's going to be dropping some knowledge bombs today for sure. So, man, I thank you for making the trip up. I know uh, a lot of people think this is the boondocks, and you're probably no yeah. exception. <laughs> so I appreciate you being here. And, uh, dude, let's jump in. Let's, uh, right. let's learn a little bit about Roger Webb. Welcome. Thank you. So uh, tell me a little bit about your early uh, development, man. Are you originally from Arizona? Or did yeah, you born and raised in Arizona. Um, I lived in Vegas for seven years. Um, other than that, I'm here. Yeah. 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 Well, what brought you here? Was it just uh, moving around? As a um, I actually came to the Valley. Um, I was li- I had, When I left Vegas, I moved back up to northern Arizona, a small town where I grew up. Um, little place with nothing. <laughs> yeah? Where <laughs> and, at? Um, Holbrook. Okay, Holbrook. Yeah, yeah for a little sure. tiny town. <clears throat> and then um, a good friend of mine was running a mortgage company down here, and he needed somebody to work with him, so I came to work. Um, I was missing the city. My kids were getting to the age where they were wanting to explore life and there was nothing for them to explore up there. So we came to the city so our kids could have something to do. And I haven't left. Right on, man. Not a huge fan of Arizona, though, I have to say. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> Don't like the heat. Take me down that rabbit hole. Just, yeah. just the heat. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's beautiful out here, man. If you yeah. get past the summers. Yeah, exactly. For sure. So yeah. you went into the mortgage industry? Initially, yeah, I was a loan officer for about, oh, actually, it wasn't very long at all, about a year. Um, I got out just before the boom. Oh, you got out before the boom. <laughs> yeah. Part of me really regrets that, but part of me is really grateful because I saw a lot of bad stuff happen to a lot of people during that time. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah, then I just figured it out from there. I think I did 100 different things between then and what I ended up in. Really? Yeah. Really? Have you always been that way, like sort of a seeker, sort of, you know, not really wanting to be pigeonholed? Yeah. Um, people laugh when they, when, people that, that know me, when they start hearing, you know, in conversation, I'm like, oh yeah, back when I did this and back when that, like I, my resume probably is longer than <laughs> any human being on the planet. Um, I've done it all. I've tried it all. I've, I've been in some type of an entrepreneur since I was a little boy. Like oh, really? I used to sell. I was the youngest ever member of the American Rabbit Breeders Association when I was 12 years old. I had my own little rabbit business at 12. I made pretty good money for a 12-year-old. <laughs> now tell me about this. I haven't heard what this is. What is this? Yeah, so I bred rabbits when I was a little boy. Um, this was a business? Yeah. This was a thing? Yeah, I was 12 years old. I found a bunny rabbit, like a domestic rabbit that had gotten loose in the neighborhood apparently and couldn't find the owner, so I caged it up. And my parents went out and helped me buy two or three or four more, so we had two breeding pairs. And I started breeding rabbits at 12 years old. I, I sold the bunnies. Um, and whatever bunnies I couldn't sell, I butchered and I sold the meat to a local grocery store and the skins, the natives would come from the Navajo reservation and buy the skin for me. Wow. So I had, I had a pretty lucrative business. It was nice. That's amazing, man. Yeah. That's and amazing. I've always been like that. I've always been like, I've always, I used to take, <laughs> I used to take tourists that would come into Holbrook's we're by the petrified forest mm-hmm. and we'd find tourists like at Burger King and we'd take them out rock hunting so they could get some of their own petrified wood because it's illegal to take it from the park. Right, right. And we would take them out in the hills behind my house and charge them to pick up rocks. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Though. I mean, I guess that points heavily to how your mind works, though. It seems like yeah. it was always working. It's always been that way. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It took me, I, I, don't, I don't think I really settled on what I want to be when I grew up until I was about 40, 
about 40, 40 yeah. miles, closer to 45. And that was just a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've jumped around a lot. That's cool, man. Yeah. I, you know, um, do you know who Kevin Kelly is? Hmm. The founder of uh, Wired Magazine? No. He, he's got this uh, concept called premature optimization. Hmm. And uh, it's, it's kind of the opposite of the idea that you're talking about where, you know, I don't know what I'm going to be until I'm 40, 45, 50, whatever, because a lot of kids are, they feel this pressure to know what they have to yeah. do as soon as they graduate college. And he calls this premature optimization. He's like, you need to forget all that and just go out and do a bunch of things and yeah. see what, you know, captures your attention. I agree hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For, for, for some people and even myself, there's times where I like, them, like, you know, I was a mess. What was I doing? Like, can't you just settle on something? Yeah. But. I never, I just never could, you know, I wanted to, but nothing ever really fit for me. Nothing ever fit the place where I said, okay, this is what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. Wow. That's cool, man. Yeah. Did you have brothers and sisters growing up? Yep. Two of each. I was the youngest of five. Youngest of five. Wow. Wow. Were they entrepreneurial as well or no? no? (laughs) (laughs) My dad was, my dad had built his own business. Um, so I think that might've been where I got it. Um, you know, I was told from the youngest age, you know, if you want money, go, go make it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not giving it to you. And so that's what I did. You but know? you knew what that meant even at a young yeah. age. Like, yeah. that's amazing. So I, I went and found my own money and did what I needed to with it. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, you brought up the E word. So let's dive down that rabbit hole, man. What do you think the, the state of the entrepreneurial world is today? Like everyone's an entrepreneur, it seems. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I love it. I really do. I think it, cre- I think it, it breeds this culture of creativity, mm-hmm. you know, people, people that are willing to step out and take a risk and do something that they might fail in. I, I think that's like the juiciest part of life for me. Like, I love it. I love to meet people like that. Cause yeah, I failed a thousand times mm-hmm. and I felt like a failure a thousand times. Uh-huh. Um, but this culture of people that that finally get the the mission that the philosophy I've always believed in that I don't, I don't want to be dictated by somebody else. You know, I, I can I, I'm I'm unemployable. I really am. Like I I've had people even recently reach out and offer me significant incomes to come and work for them, and I can't. Mm-hmm. Like I I couldn't imagine being in a world where I had to ask for a day off or or be worried about getting to work late, or am I gonna do the right thing that the right person wants me to do? Like, I love that we live in a world where people are wanting to be their own person now and do mm-hmm. their own thing. I think it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. For It seems like for many years we uh, fell down that, uh, the story of the corporate, you know, the 40-40-40 yeah. plan, right? And yeah. uh, people are waking up to the, the sham of that reality, I think, yeah. especially after the last crash, I believe, affected yeah, a lot of people completely. drastically. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, surviving many, many, many failures. I think a lot of people don't have the capacity to deal with that. And obviously as a, as a, as a younger man now coming into, you know, maturity and having had various business experiences and experienced failure, do you have a particular methodology or do you even think about it anymore? You just consider it's part of the game. That's a real, I've never thought of that. Um, which tells you my answer. I, it's part of the game for me. Like it really is. Like I, I mean, I've had, massive failures where I truly just wanted to go bury my head in sand and never come back. Really? Um, but every time eventually you pull yourself out of it and then you, you don't have a choice. I didn't have a choice in the way I look at it is you don't have a choice. You're either going to continue to just fail and be miserable and your life's going to suck or you need to pull yourself out and go do something about it. And Mm. that's just kind of how I've always been. You know, I, um, on to the next until I find what works. I'm going to keep going (laughs) on to the next. That's cool. That's so cool. So, um, at this point in your life, um, what would, uh, what would you looking back, 
uh, on some of your failures, what would you describe as being one of these massive failures that you mentioned earlier? Oh. Or does, does any come to mind? Hundreds come to mind. And thank you, by the way, for <laughs> calling me a young, a young person. I like that. Um, um, you know, I, I think the thing for me that, that was the big kicker was a lot of these failures were, were in positions where I was working with other people. Um, what I, I, I was always, for years and years and years, I was the greatest number two guy you'll ever find. Like I, I helped a lot of people build very successful businesses as their right hand. And one day after one of those fell apart again, I finally realized like, why am I helping other people build their, their fortune? I'm clearly capable of doing it. Why don't I do it for myself? And that was a really big piece for me to step into that acknowledgement of, wow, I, I, I could do this for myself. Because um, all my big failures are around a lot of that, really pouring my heart and soul into somebody else's business to help them. And then it went, it died for whatever reason. And here I was left at the bottom again. Yeah. So you had invested all this time and yeah. then nothing ever yeah. came of it sort of a thing. Yeah. And then, you know, when I started doing my own thing, you know, when I, um, I remember when I first started my coaching practice, it became quite successful and I was really good at it. And then I got sick and it, and it kind of helped me. I was sick for almost a year and all my clients went away. I was doing some consulting as well. And all that was gone. And it really helped me realize like there has to be something like that's what started me looking at the residual side of life is what can I do so that if something happens, I'm still okay. You know, especially I was a single dad at the time, um, five kids at home. I had four kids at home, one in college wow. and I had lost everything for a year. And like that, that brought the mortality into my life where I saw like, wow, like I got to do something about this. Mm. Um, that was probably the hardest year of my life. I was, I was making less money than most teenagers make. I was, sick and I was having to care for these kids on my own, that was like, that was the bottom, my bottom of the bucket moment. That was the time where I said, you know what? I wasn't just under the, I wasn't on the bottom of the bucket. I was under the bucket, like holding it up wow. and it was smashing me. And that's where I was at. And it was really that place where I said, okay, I got at least one more last ditch effort in me to make something happen. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. So this idea you mentioned uh, of residual, right? As was this something you had been exposed to in the past or was this something that oh, someone yeah. exposed to you? No, I had been, I had dabbled in the network marketing world for years. Mm. Um, many different companies, many, many different companies and failed miserably at every one of them. Um, I should, that's not true. One of my was had a little success, not what I would call success now, but, um, but I grew to really despise that industry because I think there's a lot of darkness to it and there's a lot of things in that industry that I didn't like. And so I swear I would never do it again. But the concept of being able to, to do something and get paid on it forever was what really appealed to me. And now I've discovered it doesn't necessarily have to be only in the network marketing. You know, there's other things I have now where I have passive income coming in. And that's what really helped me learn is keep going back to that table and saying, how else can I make money? and support myself because initially it wasn't even about getting rich. Initially it was just about, I got to pay a bill. How can I do that without having to give everything I've got? How can I do that smart instead of, you know, I, I was always raised to work hard and that's the mentality I always had that I had to just work really, really, really hard and make whatever I could make and be happy with whatever I made. And I finally hit the point in my life where I said, no, it's, I'm not happy with making whatever I can make. I'm happy creating abundance and success forever and for my mm -hmm. kids and something that will last. You know, I last summer was the biggest epiphany that shifted for me. I was able to go, um, 
I spent a month backpacking in Europe last year. Oh, beautiful. All by myself. It was incredible. I decided I was going to take a 28 days without anybody with me. It was insane. Um, my partner joined me for like a week of it. But um, when I left, I made the conscious choice to leave everything behind. Like I closed mm -hmm. the door on my life and I wanted to spend a month with just myself. And I, I didn't touch my business for a month. I didn't do anything. I didn't make a phone call. I didn't do anything for a month. And I came home to the biggest paycheck I'd ever had. Wow. After not even working for a month. And that's when it really clicked on for me. I'm like, oh my God, there's something to this. This is pretty cool. And it just lit the fire under me, like, like that that's possible. And, and what's crazy is just by having that experience, one of the things I teach my, my people is just to create evidence in your life that something else is possible. Mm -hmm. So now that I know that's possible, I can look at that one experience. And if I look back, it was a year ago this month that I left the growth that's happened personally and professionally and financially in my life in the last year since I was able to create that evidence that is now possible, it's, it's like exponentially grown. It's been insane. Very cool. That is super cool, man. So prior to that though, is that something that you thought would be a reality when you came home or did you feel like, uh, you know what, I'm going to come back to a mess? Uh, I, I didn't think I'd come home to a mess cause I had built a pretty stable t team and a business. Um, but I didn't think it would grow while I was gone. Mm. You know, I just thought I'd come home probably to the same thing that I left. Sure. And the fact that it grew so much was what really lit it for me. Mm. It was pretty awesome. That is really awesome. Because my experience in this world is that when you walk away from something, you know, if you take a month off your job, you're going to have a mess when you get home. <laughs> um, and it wasn't the case. It was pretty cool. That's very cool. That's very cool. So where all did you uh, end up visiting when you're in Europe? Um, I only went to Italy and Greece. Um, I had had a dream since I was a very small child to go sailing in Greece. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what started this whole trip. I, I planned the sailing trip. Um, it was the most amazing week of my life. And then I figured, well, if I'm going to be there anyway, I might as well spend some extra time too. And I love Italy. I, it's one of my most precious places in my life. And so I decided make a trip of it. And my trip went from a week in Greece to four weeks in Italy and Greece. And it was amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Did you, and you didn't do any business while you're going, you're totally unplugged. I, you know, I talked to people so I could write it off. Sure. Of course. <laughs> um, but I didn't do any, nothing. I, I mean, I, I talked to people that, that has in turn led to business since then, but I didn't mm -hmm. work the business at all while I was gone. It was about, that trip was about me being in touch with me, me just having my experience with myself. And I didn't want any of that to mess it up. I mm -hmm. just wanted it to be me. It was yeah, pretty cool. That's very cool. At what point in your life did you start looking at, um, like the personal development world? I know you and I both have a side background. Yeah, I, um, so I was actually the first thing I ever did. Um, I, I was in the Air Force. Um, nine, I got out in 1997. Um, shortly after I got out, actually one of my very first network marketing companies I'd been in, one of my team members had, had introduced me to Psy back in 1998. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I went through the work. Um, and that's, that's what it really opened the door for me. Like I had never heard of personal growth. You know, I came from a really small town where what you get is what you get and you just do the best with what you get. And that was my mentality forever. And so, um, since then though, I've, I've branched into like, I, I'm a junkie. Like if there's a seminar or workshop, I've either done it or I have plans to do it or, or I've some, somehow or the other it's, I've been a part of it. I, um, I love it. What was it about that, uh, exposure to that world though, that, that sort of sucked you in and has kept your attention this, this, this long, I guess I'd say. So I've always been a dreamer my whole life. Mm -hmm. But that I always had the caveat that I could dream, but it was never going to really happen. But it was still fun to dream. 
but I'd always been taught that you could dream, but just that's all they are. They're dreams. Um, and opening myself up to personal growth was the first time that I really saw that they can happen. Like it really is possible, Mm -hmm. but to make it such, there's a lot of work I have to do. (laughs) And that was the piece that I never knew. Oh, you have to work to make your dreams happen. I had no idea. (laughs) So, you know, helping uncover and really being, becoming aware of what was the stuff that was keeping me from achieving my dreams. What was the stuff about me that, um, as I call all the lies that I was telling myself for years and years and years that made it, you know, all those limiting beliefs and the things that I believed based on my upbringing that kept me from ever really, truly living the dreams that I wanted. And so stepping into the personal growth world where I could really see that it is possible if I tweet some things and it just created magic for me, like the experiences and even more so for me was the community of personal growth. Like the people that I have in my life now are people that like, if I, if they see me slacking, they're going to tell me, you know, I love that. I love being surrounded with people that are going to push me to be bigger, better, greater that, um, that when I have a challenge or a struggle, I can say the word and I've got instant support. Like that's, that's the biggest piece of personal growth for me is the community that's brought into my life. Mm. Do you remember going to that basic seminar? Oh yeah. <laughs> do, do you remember, uh, like your biggest takeaway from that time period? Wow. That was 25 years ago. <laughs> um, I'm an oldie. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. Um, sure. my biggest takeaway from my first one was really, I think that, that I can dream like it re- like my dreams are possible. Mm. Like, like it really is possible for me to live the life I'd always dreamed of. I remember sitting when I was a little kid looking through magazines and thinking of this world that I wanted to live. And, and for me, the, it, my vision of my life was never like being a millionaire, being rich, all that. It was more about travel, seeing the world, connecting with humanity, connecting with people. Like I'm really big on humanity and, and to be able to, now know after that first seminar that that really is possible for me to go you know I grew up in this little tiny town where very few people even left town very few people even left the state and I had dreams to see the world and I never thought I could do that and so to be able to really come away from that first seminar knowing that something that I'd always thought was unreachable really was within my reach beautiful Beautiful. it kind of gave me permission it was pretty cool that is really cool yeah I remember coming away with just a, like a fresh awareness on how I was showing up. Yeah. I had no ability to see myself in a way. Did you have that experience at all? Yeah. I'll never forget the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're getting to the good stuff. Yeah. I'll never forget the moment of realizing that who I thought I was and who I was showing up as were two totally different people. Mm. You know, the amount of times where I wasn't in integrity with who I thought I was. Mm. And yeah, that was, Thanks a lot for reminding me of that. Um, but no, it's actually, cause that's kind of what I teach now too, is that, you know, it really is based on your results. And if your results are that you're showing up as a, as a person who's not really in alignment with what you want, then how can you ever expect to get what you want? And, um, I'll never forget that Saturday night of my basic realizing that I really wasn't being the man that I thought I was. Mm. And, you know, in my marriage, in my, in my business, in my life, anywhere, I wasn't showing up the way that I thought I was based on the results around me. And that was the piece that I was never willing to look at. Mm. The results piece? Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to go through life thinking everything's great. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, right? But when you look at your results, you can really measure, am I really showing up that great? You know, based on what I'm doing, the people I have in my life, how I'm interacting with people. 
It was a huge wake up call. That's, that's such a huge piece, man. Um, and something that I've added to my life heavily over the last three years is just tracking. And I'm wondering based on what you just told me, if that's something that you do on a daily basis, do you like take note of how you're showing up in your relationships? Take note of how you're showing up in your business. Are you tracking those results carefully? Uh, yes, absolutely. I, um, I have two daily practices. Um, every morning, as soon as I, I probably don't do it. I probably should do it as soon as I wake up, but I'm, I'm not a morning person. So I have to wait till my head's a little clear. Right. But before I start my day, I always sit back and, and reflect on how did I show up yesterday? What didn't work? What did work? And how can I improve on that today? And then when I go to bed at night, as I'm laying in bed, I like to do it in that space where I'm kind of in between sleep and awake is just really look at where, how did I show up today? What did I do today? Did I, did I progress or did I stay the same or did I digress? And, and that's always based on the results of the day. And there's a lot of days where I still look and think, oof, I still got a lot of work to do. <laughs> um, and just to have that awareness. And then I always finish that last thought of the night with five things that I'm grateful for from the day. That's changed everything for me. That's beautiful. Um, it's really easy to get caught up into life and the darkness of life and the crap that goes on in life. So I really always try to end the day focusing on at least five things that I'm really grateful for from the day. Not necessarily from my life, because that's easy, but just from that day. What did I do and what am I grateful for? And then how can I take that into tomorrow? Mm, beautiful. So on those days when you look at your, and you look back at your day and you say, well, you know what? I really didn't show up the way I wanted to today. You know, do you, are you one of those people that just says, okay, cool. You know, tomorrow will be a better day. Or do you pull out the hammer, beat yourself up or what Both. do you do you? Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm human. Are you hard on you? I'm, I'm human. We still beat ourselves up way too much. <laughs> um, I'm better at that than I used to be. I, I think I like to say it, but there's days, you know, we all have our days, you know, even Tony Robbins, I guarantee you has days where he's, <laughs> you know, we pull the hammer out. Um, I think those days are becoming less and less. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm, I'm gentle enough with myself that even when I'm beating myself up after the fact, I can look and say, okay, now let's do something about that. As long as I have some actionable plan of how to fix what happened yesterday, then I'm okay. You know, we're all entitled bad days and I have plenty of them. (laughs) We are definitely entitled bad days for sure. And on this journey, as you started looking at yourself and becoming more aware of how you're showing up in the world, taking note of your results, um, did you discover that you had, uh, you know, I guess we could call them limiting beliefs or stories that you were telling yourself that were holding you back. Oh yeah. Yeah. What were those, man? Um, I had several, (laughs) um, some of my biggest were I'm unlovable. Mm. Um, that shows up everywhere. Really? Uh, Oh yeah. Um, you know, if you don't think you're lovable, then how are you ever going to be successful in business relationships and personal relationships and anything? Um, I had a big one that success was only for those few special people, not for me. Um, that one ran me for years. And, um, and another one we were talking about earlier is that I'm around my physical health. I've always been, I've always considered myself, I guess I, you know, I was the choir boy growing up. I wasn't the jock. I wasn't the athlete. And I always, I always had this belief that what I have physically is what I have and it's never going to be any better. In fact, it was starting to get worse. And I was okay with that because I had bought into the idea and the fact and the belief that, Oh, as we age, then stuff just happens and just got to be okay with that. Um, those are my three big ones. And I've, um, very consciously worked on every one of those in the last several years. 
let's talk about that a little bit and go a little bit deeper. So, um, the first one you mentioned was being unlovable. Mm-hmm. How did you go about correcting that thought process? Ah, this was so much fun. <laughs> um, it really was. And it's actually a big part of what my workshops are about now. I, um, a couple years ago, I ended a six year relationship. We were engaged to be married. Like I thought life was going to be great and it ended and it just left me in this really dark place that just solidified the fact that I'm unlovable. And as I was really thinking and trying to do the work that I've tried to do, that how can I get under it? What can I discover? And what I really learned was it wasn't that I was unlovable. It was that I didn't love myself. Hmm. And, um, and I had evidence that I could stack up my whole life to say, yeah, that's exactly, you know, people don't love me. And so I set out on a journey. Um, every year, I like to devote every year on December 31st, I devote my coming year to something, to one thing. I, I used to have this big long list of resolutions and it never worked. And so I decided that one thing. So every year, one thing. So this, that year, it was 2017, I devoted to falling in love with myself. Mm. And that was what my entire path was that year. I made a conscious effort to not date anybody, not be in a relationship, to not do anything other than focus on me. And it was one of the most fun years of my life. I, um, and this sounds really crazy, um, and I'm giving away all my secrets because I actually teach this in my workshop now, <laughs> but I made a list, and this was crazy, and I don't even know how I came up with this, but I made a list of all the qualities, all the things, like if I were to meet somebody, what are the things that that person could do to make me fall in love with them? Like mm-hmm. all, I made this whole list, like, take me on dates, send me love notes, give me gifts, take me on weekend getaways, tell me great things about myself. And I made this huge list. And then I set out that that year I was gonna do all those things on my list for myself. So it was crazy. I I was, (laughs) this makes me sound like a little freak. Um, (laughs) I would wake up in the morning and pre-program text messages to myself to be sent throughout the day to give me affirmations about myself. I would send gifts to myself, I would send flowers to myself, took myself on vacations. Um, it was amazing. It was amazing. But one of the things on my list, the the hardest thing was I want to be with somebody who could really be vulnerable and open with me and share their deepest, darkest, horrible stuff because that's important to me. And then when I got to that on my list, it kind of was a big slap in the face because I realized, crap, now I have to do that for myself. (laughs) And so I did, I would sit and look in the mirror and tell myself stuff and have conversations with myself of stuff that I would not want to admit to anybody in the world, especially myself. And it really did like it. I'll never forget. I ended that year with a 4,500 mile road trip up to the Pacific Northwest, just all by myself, me and my, my music in my car. And I remember at the end of that trip, I could look in the mirror and say, Oh my gosh, I absolutely love this guy. Like it was awesome. And I think that was a huge turning point in my life. Like so many things shifted when I did that. It was pretty cool. Was there a moment where you realized that you had started to love yourself? It was really gradual through the whole thing. And um, I remember on that trip, I I had an experience where I had to make a decision on something in my life that was pretty impactful. It was regarding my ex-wife and child support and all kinds, there was a lot of drama around there and I made a decision that a lot of people would have thought was crazy. But when I made that decision, it totally just, it was like the first time that I ever really did something for me, completely Mm -hmm. unconditionally for me. And it, it really helped me see like the power that comes in, in loving myself and in knowing who I am. And, and what's really great is since, since that, that year, since that experience, like decisions in my life are way easier than they used to be because now it falls in the, the fact of, is it going to uplift and edify me or not? If it's not, then 
it's gone. Like it's such an easy decision now. Whereas before I used to him and haw around things, but now it's about taking care of me. You know, I was raised that, to believe that it's selfish if I take care of Roger. And now I know it's just the opposite. Like because I take care of Roger, I can take care of thousands of more people than I could before, especially my kids and my family. And it's been pretty amazing. That is amazing, man. That's, that's so beautiful the way that you frame that as well. I know that a lot of people carry the self-worth, you know, the self-love programs. I know this is one of the ones that I've been dealing with or had dealt with for, for many years. And another one that people deal with is their, their stature, their physicality. Mm. So talk to me about that oh. one a little bit. You, you, you blamed me before we got on mic and said I was one of the guys that beat you up. So <laughs> let me hear yeah. it, man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, you know, I was bullied a lot growing up, really? you know, a lot. Like my childhood was not fun and I grew up with a lot of resentments around people like you. That's I'm sorry. I'm going to put you in that bucket. I'm going to put you in that bucket. You know, it's okay, man. I know you love me. Yes, I do. But you know, people who, who the jocks, the guys who were buff and fit and, and they were the ones who bullied me my whole life. And so I always grew up with this idea that I could never, I was never good enough because they were the ones that got everything in life. They were the ones that got everything in school. They were the ones that got the girlfriends. They were all that. And, um, so yeah, a couple years ago, I, my 2018 was devoted to doing, can I swear on this talk? Yes, absolutely. Be you. <laughs> okay. Doing shit that scared me was my awesome. 2018 dedication. And, um, one of the biggest things that scared me was my, my limiting belief that I wasn't an athlete. Mm. And, um, so I decided that, you know, I've, I'd worked out in the past. I'd had trainers in the past, but I never took it seriously. Like I'm the guy that if you, I could get a gym membership, I could go run on the treadmill for five minutes and say, okay, I worked out today. Um, but it always scared me. And even when I had a trainer, I would never push myself because I just never I had this belief. It was very deeply ingrained that I'm not an athlete, that I'm, I'm not strong. And, um, so that year I, I saw, um, a friend of mine had been in, involved in obstacle course racing and things like that. And I saw some of his posts and I thought, Oh, these Spartan races look really fun. I should do a Spartan race. They look, I'm going to go play in the mud. That's what I thought it was going to be. So when I went to register for my first Spartan race, I saw this thing called a trifecta and I'm like, I love shiny things. I'm like, Ooh, that looks exciting. I'm going to go chase whatever this is. That looks cool. I I can have this. Yeah. I love that. And so, um, I signed up and paid for a trifecta pass, not knowing, not having a clue what I was signing up for. Um, I had never even run a race ever in my life. So break that down. Tell people what the trifecta is. So Spartan has three races, a super, a sprint, a super and a beast. The sprint is about three plus miles with about 15 obstacles. Super is five plus miles. They're always way more than they say, um, with about 20 obstacles. And the beast is 12 plus miles with about 25 obstacles, I think. So the trifecta means that you do all three of those within a calendar year. So I figured, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out to prove something to myself. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had no idea what it meant. And another friend of mine had been going to Orange Theory for a while, and I had never done anything physical, but it looked fun, and he'd been talking about it for a while, and I said, okay, cool. So I, I got obsessed with Orange Theory for about nine months, and I did it like five days a week, and I was having great results, and I was starting to feel like I was doing something for my body my health improved. I was feeling great. So my, I, I, 
that year I, I, to this day, it shocks me that I did it. But last year I ran, I didn't just run a trifecta, but I did a trifecta and then I added an extra sprint on top of it. Nice. And my son did a, a trifecta with me, a kid's trifecta, which was insane to do it with him. I did it with my best friend and then one of my other best friends got involved and he ran it with us too. So, you know, when I, when I ran my beast, like it was probably one of the biggest accomplishments of my life because I, you know, you look at my finishing picture and you can see tears in my eyes and people think that's just tears from like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited that I accomplished this huge thing. No, it was like, because it was hell and I was hurting and I, I left everything I had on the course. But when I was done, I could look back and say, look what I just did. Like, holy crap. And now people actually ask me for fitness advice, which cracks <laughs> me up because I'm not. And so I've become an athlete apparently. And, and not just an athlete, but a pretty elite athlete. Like it's, it's an elite few that say they're a trifecta in the trifecta tribe in Spartan. And so the fact that I did that just proved to me again that A, I can do anything I want. And B, I all those lies that I told myself for 30, I'm sorry, geez, I'm, I'm worth 47 years, 48 years, I lied to myself that I'm not an athlete and that I'm not physically capable. And I've proven that I am. Um, so I'm training for two trifectas this year. So that's a double trifecta, um, six races. I'm probably gonna end with seven because I got my count messed up and I'm gonna have an extra sprint in, in there. But, and now I'm actually training to hike Mount Kilimanjaro for my 50th birthday next year. Oh, nice. So like I went from like, I can never be an athlete to hell yeah, I am. And it's been awesome. It's been very cool. That's very cool, man. How have you uh, changed the way you see your body after doing some of these races? Oh, immensely. Like I, you know, I still have the stuff that I think all of us have, but you know, my business, my, 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 my doTERRA business is about health and wellness. And I, I want part of what did this for me was I woke up and realized, you know, how can I teach people to be healthy and have, have full, what I call vitality, like full vitality in your life if I'm not doing it myself. Mm -hmm. And that's been my biggest thing for years and years, especially since I started my personal growth is if I'm not walking my talk, how can I ever expect you to come with me? And so now I, I look at myself like I'm, I'm, I'm healthier than I've ever been in my life. You know, I, I quit believing that thing that, well, when you get in your forties, your body starts to hurt and it's okay. And you know what? I have my aches and pains, but I work through them and I find ways to, to change it and I find ways to develop it. And you know, the path that I was going down before, honestly, I probably would be six years ago. Doctors told me I wouldn't be able to walk again if I didn't have back surgery. Um, I didn't listen to him because I don't like doctors. Why, I don't why like did surgery. you need back surgery? I had a lot of problems. I have a lot of problems with my back. Mm. Um, like disc issues? That's what I was laid up in bed for eight months um, mm. with some pretty severe disc issues, um, some nerve damage, some my, my skull and my spine were fused together. I had a lot of problems. I was in a car accident. I was a pedestrian. I was hit by a car when I was 19. Wow. And 30 years later, that manifested in some pretty bad stuff. So if I had to listen to them, I'd probably be in a wheelchair in the next five or six years. Um, instead I'm training to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Like that's, that's the thing for me that I really try to teach people is you're in charge. Like you're in charge of your body. You're in charge of your life. You're in charge of your finances. You're in charge of everything. So you just have to do it. And it's not always fun. It's not always easy. It's usually a big challenge, but it's possible. You know, the mentality that got me orange theory, actually, I don't go anymore, but I still love their philosophy. Um, it taught me I can do anything for a minute, which evolved into I can do anything for a week, I can do anything for a month, I can do anything for a year, like I really can. And that taught me 
to just let all that other stuff go that says you can't do it because you can. How do you uh, talk to people who you encounter in your life and your business who are maybe your age or, or of, of similar age who've kind of let themselves go and don't realize the power that their body plays in terms of those creating those results, right? Like if, if you're sick or you're laid up or you have low energy, or you're not eating correctly, mm. you're not going to be able to create those results. But some people, like you said, just buy into this sort of belief system that, oh, well, I'm in my 40s, things are supposed to fall apart, which is a total bullshit lie, yeah, by the way. It is. Um, you know, movement is medicine. Um, have you been able to get through to any of those people or do yeah. you see those people showing up? You know, I, here, I think there are some people that are just so deeply bought into that that they're never going to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of them, I just tell them my story. Like truly, I'm, I'm a walking miracle. My doctors truly didn't think this would be possible for me. And knowing myself the way I know myself, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Cause <laughs> absolutely a hundred percent. Um, so that's my message to people is that it is possible. Like I, I have a very dear friend who is severely overweight, like hor- horrifically obese, who is starting to have a lot of health problems. And he's now, he's lost a shit ton of weight in the last couple of years. He's, he's healthy. He's swimming every day. Like he's starting to get his life back. And so for people who will trust me enough and listen to me enough that it is possible, it's amazing. And for those who can't, I'm sorry, it sucks. You know, I'll be here to support you, but you've got, that's the first step. You know, it's all of this, my business, my health, everything. It's all, it's all a personal growth journey. Like if you, you have to be willing to, to face those things that you believe and, and be willing to say that maybe what I believe isn't right. Maybe what I believe isn't true. Maybe I really have been fed these bullshit lies my whole life. And if you can get to that place where you can at least have just even a crack of a glimpse of saying something else is possible, then I'll take that little crack and we'll grow it. That's my thing. Like I, my deepest passion in life comes from helping people. It's not about the business. It's not about their health. It's not about money. It's about all of it. Like if you want a bigger, better, greater life, if you want it and you're willing to trust me and do something about it, then I'll take you there. But you have to at least be willing to see that there's something possible this bigger. Cause I didn't for years, for years and years and years, I thought nothing was possible other than the, this is the cards I was dealt and it sucks. And that's just what I'm going to be. And that sucks. I love the way you frame that. It's like that, you know, it's like uh, if you step, I'll step twice. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I can relate to you on a lot of levels because I did grow up in a very small town, blinky miss it town, you know, one red light town. Mm-hmm. And, um, you talk about this idea of having a crack form so that you can at least form some questions, right? Yeah. Have this idea or this ability to question the things that you've been spoon fed your entire life. And when I look back at a lot of the people that I grew up with and a lot of the people who still live in the same mm-hmm. town that I grew up in, I can't even have a conversation with a lot of them, Yeah, you know, because they're still just regurgitating the things that I heard when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. Totally. It's very difficult. Yeah. So, um, talk to me a little bit about your entrepreneurship. I know you're killing it in your business. Yeah. And I know everybody wants to know all the secrets <laughs> and I know the answer is you got to fucking work. Yeah. So, um, talk to me a little bit about your pathway. I know you said you started, um, or you had experience in, um, the direct sales network marketing world previously. You're killing it with doTERRA. Um, why did you decide to join another 
network marketing company, <laughs> right? Everyone's got the, the, the series of, yeah. of, of companies that they go through, right? And then what's so different about this situation that you've been able to put up some tremendous numbers and build a fantastic team? Yeah, you know, for me, I, I truly had made the decision that I would never be in another network marketing company again. Like I, I, was, I was committed in blood to that decision. Um, but at the same time, I always had this little list in the back of my head, but if I ever found a company that did this <laughs> and so, um, the last know, thought wins. Yeah, always. And you know, I, I had a lot of friends that were getting involved in it and I felt really sorry for them and I tried to warn them and stop them <laughs> and run away. And it really came, you know, when I was at the end of that, that year where that I was laid up most of the year, like I was, I was living on food stamps. I was broke. Like I remember one day my kid came in and asked me if he could have $2 to go to the McDonald's with his friend to get a cheeseburger and I didn't have it. Wow. And when he left the house, I just sobbed because I, what kind of dad could I be if I was going to, I didn't have $2 to give my kid for a burger. Like what the hell? Um, and one of my dearest friends from college, I'd known her for, she's at the time, 20, 25 years. Um, she had become successful in another company and I knew that and she had started in doTERRA and I, I was watching her. I, I warned her and I told her to stay away, but I was still watching her. And one day she posted and she never posted about the money. That's one thing that's very different about this company is we're not a money-based company like a lot of network marketing companies are. And she posted how much money she was making. And she'd only been in the business for a year and she was making $10,000. And I was like, what? Wait a minute, you? <laughs> I know you, really? And so I said, you know what? I need to make some money. I knew I could, I can sell anything. I've been in sales my whole life. I'm like, okay, I can, fine. I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to jump into the devil's pit because that's really what I thought network marketing was. I still do, but I need to make money. So I called her up and I said, okay, let's sit, let's talk. And, um, first thing I did when I sat down with her, I said, show me your compensation plan. Like, I don't even want to know anything else. I know comp plans really, really well. I used to help write them. Like I know them really well. And so I sat down, I looked at it and I said, holy crap, I could make some money with this company. The comp plan's brilliant. But I looked at her and I said, here's the deal. Your product has to change my life or I'm not doing this. Cause every company has their superstar, super jungle juice. That's going to make oh, yeah. you better. And and they never did, <laughs> ever. <laughs> Even though I said they did, they never did. So I told her that and she, and here's the thing, she didn't know, a lot of people didn't know about my health issues. I kept it very private. I suffered in misery by myself a lot. Um, very few people knew. And she slid a box of vitamins across the table to me and said, here, take these. And I laughed at her. I'm like, are you kidding me, Diane? These are vitamins, come on. You're an oil company, first of all, and you're trying to get me to take a vitamin. Everybody has their super vitamin that's going to change your life. Yeah, exactly. And she said, trust me, Roger, take them. Mm -hmm. So I said, all right, I'll take them. Within 10 days, at the time, I, I was taking, so I had, I had, over that eight months, I had seen six different doctors who had done every test imaginable. One thought I had a brain tumor. One thought I had some issues with my spinal cord. Like, they filled my life with fear every day about what was wrong with me. And... Um, Every single time I came away and their answer was, I don't know what's wrong with you, but here's another pain pill. So I was taking 10 pain pills a day. Um, I was stoned out of my mind from the time I woke up until the time I went to bed. Mm -hmm. um, or I hate, I hate, I've always hated medication. So days that I would try not to take it, I would sit on my couch with ice packs from my head to my butt to numb the pain. And that's how I was raising my kids. Like that was the life I was in. So I, I took her up on her challenge knowing that it would fail and that I would have to go find another way to make money. And 10 days later, I was off all my pain meds. My depression was gone. Like I was, I was 
the day before I met with her, I called my best friend and told her that I was planning my suicide. Like I was already making arrangements with my lawyer. Oh. What would happen to my kids if I was gone? Like I was done. You know, when somebody's hurting 24 seven for eight months, like it, it destroyed me. Mm. Um, the next day, Diane, and I told, I remember telling my friend, if somebody doesn't give me something to fix this, I'm done. And the next day, my friend hands me this stupid box of vitamins. And I'm like, really? <laughs> 10 days later, my pain was gone. I was off my meds. My depression was gone. And I called her up and said, okay, I don't know what this is, but it changed my life. So let's go. Um, it took me two years, 20 months to hit the level of diamond in doTERRA, which is about a six-figure income. Um, and it really was because it's about we're a very different company. Um, our CEO says we're a personal development company disguised as an oil company, and that's really what we are. Um, but our, we're very mission-focused. My mission is not about me becoming a millionaire or helping 10 people. You know, how many times do you hear, I'm going to help 100 people become a millionaire? <laughs> like, bullshit. Like, yeah. I knew enough to know that that's not going to be for everybody in every company, and usually it's because there's, it's the product. You know, if you're peddling an opportunity over a product, then I want nothing to do with you. Your product has to mean something. So a couple other things on my little checklist in my brain was that it had to be a company with integrity, had to company be a company with good financial records and debt-free, awesome company. Um, but most importantly was who you join with. I also, I already know, I knew that if you join with somebody who's not making any money and no one that they know is making any money, the chances of you making money are pretty slim. It's just what my experience was. Mm -hmm. um, so I purposely joined with a friend I joined with because she, every single, I'm, I'm six levels down from the top guy in the company. The first person, every single person above me is making over $200,000 a year. I'm like, all right, millionaires create millionaires. I knew enough about that. So I said, okay. And here's the key though, is I told her, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but you clearly do. So just tell me what to do. And then the magic though, is you have to do that. You know, the problem that I see with people, even in my own team is, Oh, I think I know what works better for me. So I'm going to do it this way. No, if this is the recipe and you know it works because it worked for everybody else, do it. So I did exactly what she told me to do. Um, I hit six figures in less than two years. Um, I'm on track to hit three, about a quarter of a million dollars this year. Um, and you know, the, the number one thing I hear from so many people just recently, I was talking to a good friend and his partner told him, you know, no, no one ever makes money in those. It's all a scam. And I love the now that I can tell my story and I can say, look at my life. I was nobody. I, I didn't come in with a million dollars already. I didn't bring a bunch of rich people with me. I, I work my business the way I know it needs to be worked. And I have a product that truly changes people's lives. You mm -hmm. know, if I can help a mom get her kid off his inhaler, that's life changing. And that's what I do. You know, so what I do is I teach people how to live a natural, healthy, fit life of vitality. And vitality is not just your health. Vitality is all of it your emotional health, your physical health, your, your, your stuff in your head. Like that's what I specialize in is if you really want to live a life of vitality, then come with me and I'll teach you how, but you got to be willing to do what I show, what I show you. And it's been the most magical ride I ever could imagine. That's amazing. So amazing. Yeah. And I love the fact that you're sitting here describing your experience. And at the same time, you're like, well, I still hate network marketing. I do. But, <laughs> but you know, here I am doing this thing over here. So I'm just wondering, like, you know, obviously with your experience, I know you've seen probably many, many dark sides of many, many dark companies and, and probably dark backroom deals and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, I know, um, 
you know, one of the, the greatest factors in being successful with network marketing is, is timing, like just getting in at the right place with the right people and that sort of thing. Um, when you look at your experience and, and you look at your success, do you contribute it to the work that you put in or was it timing or was it a combination or, you know, what, what do you think um, um, makes someone successful? Like if someone comes into that business today, do they still have the same shot at creating oh, what you've created? Uh, even more. Oh really? Oh yeah, and that so so that helps me answer your question because I wasn't sure how to answer this. Um, to me, it's about the company. Mm. You know, where's the company position? What what are their mission? What's their mission? What are their values? What are their morals? Where where are they going? Um, you know, I'd always been told if you don't get in, in the first ten years, you're screwed and you're never going to make it. Um, the 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 and I, I mean, all I can do is a plug for my own company, but how this company has positioned themselves. And what we're about to step into in the world, like the, the opportunities only begun, like mm. it's, it's insane. Um, and you know, we hit a billion dollars faster than Apple did. We, we are the fastest growing network marketing company in the world or the fastest growing essential oil company in the world. And we haven't even tapped into our market yet because the thing is, is we live in a world where people are tired of hurting. They're tired of being sick. They're tired of taking pills. They're tired. They're tired. And we have the answer. And it really is. And that's the cool, th the thing about this company that I, the reason why I say I still hate network marketing, I do because the hype and the, the bullshit that you hear, like I'm going to make, you're going to be a millionaire in a year. Like, no, you're not. You could be absolutely. But you know, I'm with a company that, you know, at our, every other company I've ever been with before, when you open up their leadership magazine or when you go to convention, you see people with these showing their big checks and look at my big house and look at my big diamond ring and look at my vacation. I just took my family on like that's, that's not real. Um, in doTERRA, you open the magazine or you go to convention and you hear about what's the nonprofit you're starting now that you're a millionaire. What are you doing with it? What's your mission? Like we talk about that every day. What's your mission? Like who are you as a person? What are, what good are you doing in the world? You know, this is not a company. The only check I've ever seen given on stage or in a magazine is a check to a nonprofit or a check to a, some, some organization that we partner with to help. We, we really are a mission centered company about making the world a better place. It's not about me making you a millionaire. You know, Thomas Wilhite, it's a quote I've never forgotten. Man will be paid in direct proportion to the service he renders to mankind. And I believe that with all my heart. Mm -hmm. And if, if I go make a massive impact in the world, then of course I'm going to be compensated for that. That's just a universal law that always will be. So, I think the key that has helped my business is that I'm not here to make you a millionaire. I'm help, here to help you change the world, whether it be your world or the world around you or whatever piece of that you want. That's why I'm here. And you're going to make money because you're doing a great thing. That's awesome. Um, the hype, the pressure, the, the pep rally attitude, like that nauseates me. You know, when I go to my doTERRA convention, we learn about science and research and, and the cool things we're doing in the world. We have a whole day where we just talk about all the, the amazing things we've done in the world, like rescuing kids from sex trafficking, um, helping girls learn about how they can live a healthy, vibrant life and be educated and not be shunned because they have a period once a month. You know, like, like that's the work we do as a company. That's a cool thing to be involved in, you know, helping build schools and villages in places where girls aren't educated and now they are. Like, that's going to change the world. So that's what makes it different for me. You know, I, I have no interest in being a company. If somebody tells me, and I get these calls all the time because of my success in network marketing, I get calls all the time from people wanting me to join their company. And the first thing they tell me is how much money they're going to make me. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's disgusting to me. 
you tell me what I can do in the world and how you're helping in the world and I'll jump in with you. But if you just call me to tell me, oh, look, you can make a million dollars with me next year, then screw you. I don't want anything to do with it because that's just who I am. But I think that's what makes our company different. Hmm. Yeah, I know uh, I've been uh, in and around that world to an extent and I saw some pretty shady things like people were, you know, they would sell an old spot to, you know, someone from another company, bring them in a bunch uh, Mm -hmm. ahead of a bunch of other people or you know, there's the, this idea that, you know, you're a successful guy, come join my company, bring all your people with you kind of a thing. Yeah. And then of course, this whole idea of it's all about the money. It, it's right, man. It's just, and you know, when you, when you see these people that are going tens of thousands of dollars in debt, stocking their garages full of product so they can make a $10 commission check, like that's not what this is about. You know, it's really funny. One of my really good friends from a company I was with years ago, one of the few that I'd had a little bit of success in, she was brilliant in network marketing. She made lots of money. She was very successful. And she called me a few years ago and said, you know, I've been watching you and is this real? Like, are you really doing this? Said, yeah. She's like, I want in. So we sat down and talked. She actually flew across the country just to sit with me and talk about this. And I refused to enroll her in my business because she's like, oh, I'll bring my people with me. You know, we can do this. And I'm like, you yeah, know, that's not how we work. Like this is if she's like, I don't care about the oils. I don't care about the products. I know I can make money because this is network marketing. You know, I'm good at it. I'm like, yeah, then I don't want you because this is a different kind of company. Mm. She's very upset with me that I won't wow. enroll her and I could probably make a lot of money from her. Sure. But her mentality is not the mentality that serves this mission. Yeah. And if you brought her on, I mean, what's to say that six weeks down the line, she's not talking exactly. to someone else about <laughs> the same thing, right? I don't want a network marketer. I want people who are going to change the world. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's really cool. So it sounds like this is a totally different animal from what the stereotypical, yes. you know, sort of vision of network marketing has yeah. been. Have you guys been impacted at all by some of the, you know, negativity in the news about what was it? Some of these companies are getting shut down. Was it Herbalife or? Um, a couple of them have um, over the last few years and it's really all through the FTC. Um, doTERRA is privately owned by seven different individuals who have put a ton of stuff in place legally, checks and balances to help make sure things get done right. And we're doing it all right. You know, the FDA came in a couple of years ago and cracked down on us hard because people were making false claims about what these oils could do and all that. And so the company really pushed us like, look, if we want to do this, we got to do this legally. We got to do this right. We got to respect the laws. Um, we have things in place to make sure we're, we're following all the FTC's regulations and laws as far as, you know, how many people are distributors versus company customers. And they really have it put together right. You know, so I'm not worried about it. You know, like I said, we're not one of those companies that promises millions where we don't promise that, you know, I can show you, you can make some money, you can make some serious money, but I'm never going to promise you, you are, I'm never going to show you, you can be one of these top people. Just if you come and do this and this, no, you still have to work for it. You, you know, I, I wasn't handed what I got, (laughs) you know, I still had to work my ass off for what I got, but we keep it real. Mm. That's the biggest difference. We keep it real. I will never, ever, you know, one of my goals because I'm a single parent, one of my goals is to help a hundred single parents become financially stable. Like that doesn't mean you're going to come make a million dollars, but for a single parent, if I can get her a thousand dollar a month check every month, that's going to change your world. Like that's my goal. If you want to make a million, sure. I can show you how to do that too, but I just want you to have a life where you're happy again. For sure. So, you know, there's this idea of residual, right? And there's this idea of having multiple streams of residual income come Mm -hmm. through to protect yourself. And in the situation where you're dealing with uh, direct sales, a lot of times you're tied to the fate of that company. Are you actively pursuing multiple streams of income yes. and doing other things to, to be, you know, sort of protected yeah. in the case? Yeah, you know, of? 
especially after what happened with the FDA and looking at our political climate in the United States today, especially, um, that's always something in the back of my head, you know, tomorrow the FDA can make a decision that could shut our company down. Um, I know my company well enough to know that if that happens, I'll move to Canada or to China or somewhere else. But so it's always in my mind. So, you know, I, I it's a couple of years. So I, I closed my, my life, my life coach practice, um, when I hit diamond, but I have this really, I, I can't not help people like that's my biggest passion. And so I started doing workshops and seminars mostly within doTERRA to help people with their own limiting beliefs and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's turned into a whole other beast. And yeah, most of my people are doTERRA people, but it's now starting to branch out into other network marketing companies and other people. So I've got that going on. I've got, um, I'm working on a couple other things right now as well. I've got a, um, I actually started also dealing with, I've, I create tools for network marketers, um, on how to help them, you know, little tools they can use for their own business to help them be more successful planning tools, things like that. Mm -hmm. I started doing that just for fun. Um, and it turned out they worked. So I started selling them and I sell them for like almost nothing. Um, I always fall, even though I hate Walmart, I follow the Walmart philosophy that I'd rather sell a thousand things at $5 and one things for five one thing for $5,000. Cause it makes more residual income. So, I've created a couple of different things that have gotten me started thinking about that and seeing it coming in. And, you know, I've got, I like to wake up in the morning and look and see that, Oh wow, I just had this money deposited last night and I didn't do anything for it. So it's definitely made me more aware of that. Um, but I'm also part of my contingency plan just in case anything ever were to happen is my own network, my own people I'm creating networks with. And, you know, I'm fortunate that in the position I'm in, I, I, I also have a lot, I'm, I'm surrounded by a lot of massively successful people and that I know that if anything were ever to happen to our company, we would just go somewhere else or start our own thing or do something different. And now I have a network of people that I know we could take each other wherever it needed to go. So that's another contingency plan. But the idea of residual incomes or, or passive income is really important to me. So I'm definitely always looking at things I can do where can I invest? Where can I create a new project? Where can I do an online course? You know, that's what I've really delved into recently is online courses, um, where I can create the content and put it out and people buy it and refer their friends to buy it. And I don't have to do anything because I already created the content once and sure. it's made a huge difference in my, my whole vision around what's possible for passive income. Now, are these courses specifically related to the direct sales industry? No, not at all. Um, they're all personal growth stuff. Okay. You know, it's all breaking through limiting beliefs, discovering your mission and purpose, um, finding your why in life, like things like that. Mm. Um, mostly network marketers tend to be my customers, but like I said, it's starting to branch out and people are seeing it, but it's really more about personal growth. Right. And in the world today, there's so many avenues. There's so many websites that host people like me to have online courses. And like I could... If I needed to, I could spend a couple of days and put my content out on 20 different websites and have them market it for me and make a little bit of money every time. So I'm okay with that. For sure. Where do you see the direct sales slash network marketing industry going into the future? I think it's one of the fastest growing industries in the world and I think it always will be. Yeah. Um, I think it's being more, it's, it's growing exponentially because people are tired. People are tired of punching a pay, a pay clock, a time clock. People are tired of trading their dollar for their dollar for their hours for dollars. You know, I think, you know, there's still that huge piece of the population that's skeptical and thinks that it's all a scam. Fine. You can think that it's okay. Well, I go cash my check and go on my trip to <laughs> Europe. You can think that all you want. Um, but I think more and more people are, I think we're in a place societally that people are getting desperate and people are getting tired of, 
realizing they have no future, they have nothing invested. You know, the average American has no savings account, has no investments, has no nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think people are starting to wake up to that. And I think the more they do, the more they're starting to look at other options like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you recommend entrepreneurship for most of the people who want to branch out? I do just because I love it so much, but I also know it's not for everybody, right? you know, and that's the free, even when somebody approaches me to join me in the business, I have a lot of questions, you know, like if this really, is this really for you or are you just doing this to make some money? Like it's not going to work for everybody. Um, but at the same time, just because it's not for you today doesn't mean that with a little bit of growth and expanding of your own knowledge and understanding and beliefs that it couldn't work for you. So if you want it, if you have a desire, I can help you work all that other stuff. Right. But there has to be that desire first. But I don't think it's for everybody automatically. Right, right. So what do you see on the horizon for yourself in the coming years? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. No, that's not true. Um, I, I, I've recently, um, there's an amazing program that I love called um, Clifton Strengths. If you don't know about it, you really should. It's it, incredible. No. So the Gallup, do you know what Gallup organization, yes. like Gallup polls, they partner this organization called Clifton where they, they, it's, it's very scientifically based where they researched thousands of people to discover what your strengths are and their, their mentality, which totally shifted my mentality as a life coach was quit worrying about strengthening your weaknesses and let's just find out what you're really good at it and use that to make yourself great. Mm. And so they have this assessment that you can take. Um, it's like 25 bucks and it gives you, and they've, they've discovered through their research that there's 34 strengths that they've been able to identify. So you take this poll and, or this test and you get this report of what your strengths are. Um, my number two strength is what they call futuristic, which means I automatically see everything in the future. Like I know, I know what it looks like. I know what it tastes like. I know the path to get there. Like I just automatically go there. I always have. So, um, but then it also shows you what your, your bottom strengths are, which aren't your weaknesses. They're just your bottom strengths, but focus on the top 10 and you can make magic in your life and it's really valuable. So futuristic is a big one for me. That's why, why I thought of it is, you know, I see what my future looks like and I don't necessarily know how I'm getting there, but that's okay. Right. You know, I know myself well enough to know that I'm getting there, mm-hmm. whatever path I have to take. Cause that's the biggest thing that I've learned in my life is my path is never the path that I think it's going to be. <laughs> and as soon as you decide that and realize that and admit that the better off you are, right, of you know, it's never gone the way I've thought it would, but it's always been somewhere amazing. Fantastic. So where I know I'm going to be is that I know I'm going to have a massively successful life with very happy family and I'm living a life of health and vitality. What that looks like. Who knows? The the details around that. I don't really care. Right. Right. That's cool, man. It kind of opens you up. It keeps you, you know, sort of receptive to different paths, you know? Um, there's that philosophy and vision work where you want to make everything as specific and as detailed as possible. It sounds mm. like you've gone the, the 180 degree direction. Yeah. Actually one of my, one of the, the mentors from Sci seminars that I respect the most, Tim O'Kelly, mm-hmm. um, he actually started teaching this whole different mentality around quit focusing on the minute and look at the big picture If happiness is you want what you want to make that your goal. And that's kind of where I've shifted my life is I've got lots of goals. Um, but to me, I look at goals more now as just things I want to do along the way instead of the end result. And where I want to go, I know what it looks like. I know that I'm going to be immensely happy. I know that I'm going to have great health. Um, but I don't know what it looks like because I don't care because it can go a million different directions. Mm-hmm. And I need to be open to that. You know, sure. I've learned that if I set my sights on what I think it's going to be, then I have blinders on and I'm going to miss everything else. All these opportunities the universe is going to bring to me, I might miss because I've only got my eyes set on that one goal. Right. 
So I've tried to get away from that. Yeah. So you're not worried about opportunity cost at this point. You're just like, look, I'm taking who I am into wherever I go. That's the interesting thing about the happy piece, right? Because it's, you know, in getting to know you in this conversation, I can tell that you're a happy guy, right? Mm. And I could see that you would bring that into any situation that you find yourself in. And so I'm wondering how much of that would just be you projecting yourself onto where you show up. Oh, I think completely. Absolutely. You know, who you are is what you bring. Yeah. It really is. That, that was my whole, that's what actually got me that year that I devoted to falling in love with myself. I, what, what caused me to do that is I realized I'm never going to find the relationship of my dreams until I become the relationship of my dreams. I'm never going to find the person I want to be with until I become that person. And it's the same with this. Like if you want happiness then just be happy and everything else is going to work. Yeah. You know, and, and it's easy. We live in a life. It's funny. I'm preparing a talk right now that I'm giving um, in a couple of days that about happiness. And what I'm realizing is that it's really a choice. You know, we all have a million things happen to us that could bring us down and make us unhappy. But if we choose to focus on the happy, then that's what we're going to have. And that's what, what my, I used to be that guy that just dwelled in my misery and funk, you know, like I'm in the muck and this is fun. Come join me. And it was miserable. <laughs> um, but now I'm like, yeah, you know what? Even right now, you know what? I threw my back out a couple weeks ago. I'm in a lot of pain right now. You know, how am I teaching people about living this healthy vitality life when I can't even walk across the room, right. <laughs> but I'm focusing on not, I'm not working on not focusing on that. I'm focusing on what I'm going to do and what I'm going to be and, and what a difference I can make. You know, I, I, I really, a biggest piece of my mission and my purpose in life right now is helping people find their mission. Mm. And if your mission is, is over here, but you're over here, just find a way to get there, you know, focus on that and you will get there. I truly believe what we focus on is where we go. And, you know, we have a million examples of that in life and in nature, you know, when you're driving a car, if you look over here, you're going to swerve, you know, focus on what you want and it will, be attracted into your life. I believe that with all my heart. And I know there's a lot of people who don't believe in that woo woo shit, but I'm living proof of it. Right. It works. And as soon as you surrender that that's the truth and it doesn't work, life becomes easy again. Yeah. Thank God for Joe Dispenza. Right. Right. <laughs> so tell me a little bit, man. So, um, you, we got off into this happiness thing and I'm curious, um, sitting across from you, what are some things that, that show up in your life or that you add to your life or do daily? or on whatever period you choose that really lights you up as an individual? Wow. Your questions are good. Um, for me, it's about what difference am I making? Am I making, you know, I, I, I get so fueled when I hear from somebody that I made an impact in their life. But for me, it's about being able to look at the end of the day and say, did I live my mission today? Mm-hmm. If I did, then I'm happy. And and that also makes it really easy to make choices in my life. If something comes up that I have to choose, if it doesn't fit in line with my mission, then it's an easy choice. I, it's a no, and it's easy to say no. But for me, my happiness comes in seeing that I'm making a difference, seeing that I'm impacting people, even if it's just a little bit. You know, um, I keep text messages and notes and messages from people telling me this because it fuels me. You know, on those days where I feel like I'm a miserable failure, because they come. I can look at these messages and say, wow, I really did make a difference for somebody. You know, I, I like to focus on what's happening in my life today. You know, I've got five amazing children who do incredible things in the world. Like my, my children are powerhouses and anytime I'm down, I can just look at that and see what a difference I've made for them. Um, to be able to see, to really sit back and look at, because I said yes to this business, there's thousands of people that now have a different life and are having, and not even, and not even financially, 
but even in their health, you know, I've got a woman in New York that I, I met a couple years ago who her and her son were literally dying of Lyme's disease. Like mm-hmm. literally they were not good. And now she's running marathons and her son's healthy. And like, like, wow. Like when I look at that stuff. So when I get down, I look at those things. When I have days where my happiness is sh- shadowed because <laughs> it happens. Um, I like to remind myself of what I've done, what I'm doing, the impact I'm having. And if I, and if I make a choice to stay in the funk, then that's just going to diminish what that's going to be tomorrow. So I have a new opportunity tomorrow when I wake up to just make a choice and get rid of the funk and go do something different. What a great set of tools, man, to keep that stuff handy. It's awesome. Yeah, for sure. The flip side of that though, like obviously in your business and in your uh, life coaching experiences, I'm sure you've run into people who are just miserable assholes, Mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason. And I'm curious if you've noticed any commonalities in terms of things that they're doing to create that for themselves. Yeah. Um, it's where their focus is. Like I said, you know, there's people that, and I used to be one of them and that's why I know this so well, because I've I've been in their shoes, but we've all been there. When you, when you focus on the muck, that's all you're going to see, but you have to. So that's what I was saying before. If I could just help somebody to find even a crack of hope, Mm. If I can work with somebody enough to see, I don't care how miserable you are right now, because I get it, I've been there, I know you're there, but can we find one thing that gets you excited? Can we find one thing that makes you smile? Can we find one thing that makes you have hope for tomorrow? And now let's focus on that and leave everything else behind Mm -hmm. and just focus on that. Right. And then tomorrow we're gonna find two things and focus on those. And that's what cracks us open. Mm -hmm. That's what's been my journey, you know? I. There are pe- and there are people out there who aren't willing to look at that. And for those people, God bless you. You know what? Go okay. do your thing. I'm here if you need me. I'm here to support you. If you ever do find that little hope, come find me. Right, but, but I'm not going to dwell on this with you. People. You know, yeah. there's some. I'm not going to change people. You have to be willing to do it. And there's a lot of people. You know, I've had people that come into my business, and after three or four months of them complaining and being miserable every day, they're like, "Yeah, see, I knew this didn't work. Of course, <laughs> it doesn't work because you're miserable." Yeah. They made themselves right about what they believed yeah. already. Yeah, if you need to be sure. right, go ahead. But God bless you. I'm here if you ever need me, but I'm moving on. <laughs> I love that, man. I love the way you framed so many of these tools during the course of this conversation. I'm going to come back and pull these out in the show notes for sure. Um, but at this point in your career, what does success look like for you? How would you define it? I'm happy. Mm. Really. Um, that And that that's such a broad answer, but you know that that I'm happy that I'm seeing results of my mission that I'm, that I can pay my bills that I, that I don't go to bed crying every night. Like I used to, you know, that's it for me. You know, I, to me, it's not about what my paycheck is or how many people join my business today or how many, whatever, how many customers I have. It's about, is my life happy and am I in alignment with my mission? And if those two answers are yes, then that's it. That's all that matters to me. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. So uh, before I ask my last question, tell mm-hmm. these guys where they can catch up with you online or either in your business. Yeah, on Instagram, I'm comfort zone suck. Um, zones, plural, with an S. So there's two S's in there. Um, comfortzonesuck.com is also my website. Uh, my business name is Get Uncomfortable Incorporated. Um, if you don't get a theme there, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm <laughs> devoted to, but on, on comfortzonesuck.com, you can find information on any tools, programs, workshops, but as well as my network marketing business. And you can contact me through all those venues and I'm happy to help anybody who comes along. That's beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing that. So last question is always the same. And that is how do you define wellness? 
What a great question. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to listen to your other podcasts. I like this. Um, how do I define wellness is I look at, and this is something I was taught from my seminars that I still teach is physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually are those in balance. Are you happy? You know, and what I try to teach people is, you know, if, if they're in balance, it doesn't matter if they're in balance at a one versus a 10, if they're in balance, then it's good, you know? And so if you're out of balance and find where you need to get back in balance. So if your physical life, your emotional life, your spiritual life, and your mental life are in check and in balance, then that's wellness for me. It really is a full four sided square that if you're balanced and happy in those, then life is good. And if you're not, then that's one of the tools that I do every day is look at, I rate myself on those four categories, one to 10. And my goal is to keep them balanced. So if one's an eight, but the rest are a 10, okay, what can I do today to bring that eight up? But here's the thing is if they're like, even if, even if they're all a one, that's still balance. doesn't matter if they're a one, just bring them into balance. So as long as those four areas of my life are happy and my kids are happy, then my life is happy. That's fantastic, brother. Thank you for being here today. This has been awesome. Dude, Thank I you. hope we can do it again, man. I learned so much from yeah, you today. I thanks. appreciate it. So guys, definitely check out Roger Webb and uh, pick up some of the uh, tools that he's offering. Check out his business. Check him out online. Be sure and follow him. And uh, on behalf of Roger and myself, guys, thanks for listening. And we'll Thank see you in the you. next episode. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing. And by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. And if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.